Hey everybody and welcome back to the Off The Key Podcast where we talk about music of all varieties. I'm your host Mac and today I'm joined by my two regular co-hosts, Garrett, Baba Booey, and James. Hello there. And today we are talking about the third studio album from the British trip-hop group Massive Attack. Formed in 1988, the group consists of Robert 3D Del Naha, Adrian Tricky Thaws, Andrew Mushroom Vowles, and Grant Daddy G. Marshall. The band first gained notoriety in 1991 thanks to their seminal debut studio album, Blue Lines, which is widely regarded as one of the first trip-hop albums ever created. The album blended elements of hip-hop, dub, soul, reggae, and electronic music. Garrett was actually the person who picked this album here today, and I want to ask Garrett, why'd you pick this album? This is one of the more unique albums that exists, and one of the more unique subgenres, a subgenre that, kind of like some of the other genres of music that were going on in the 90s in Britain at the time, and like over in Europe, it had wide-reaching impact and influence, but it didn't really last all that long. It was like a firework. It came, it shone, and then it faded. But in that genre itself, this is unique. Between like the creepy, haunting sense and electronics and breakbeat, the rhythm section samples in general, some of the most haunting, chilling vocal performances and like a whisper rapping delivery. It's just a perfect storm. It's just really unique, and there's not a whole lot. Even in the band's own discography, they don't really have anything that sounds like this album. Yeah, the band definitely had an incredible run in the 90s, and that's kind of the lifespan of trip-hop. It really didn't last past the 1990s. Massive Attack is definitely one of the holy trinity of the trip-hop subgenre. I'd put also, like, Tricky, who was actually a member of yep. Massive Attack, uh, Portishead in that same trio. They're all the holy trinity of trip-hop. Massive Attack is a storied group with loads of fascinating history, but we're going to try and keep it focused on their third studio album, Mezzanine. It was released on April 20th, 1998 via Circa Records and remains to this day as the collective's most successful album to date. Like Massive Attack albums in the past, Mezzanine features several featuring musicians, including reggae singer and frequent collaborator Horace Andy, film score composer Neil Davidge, and Elizabeth Frazier of Cocktoo Twins. And that's not even scratching the surface of some of the features and samples and crazy, crazy, crazy things that this album pulls out of its bag. Oh yeah, they went deep within the bag for this one. They have a multitude of samples from uh, The Cure and Isaac Hayes and Led Zeppelin, but the ones that they ended up getting copyright issue over was, I believe, the song Tribute by Manfred Mann and his Earth Band. Screw Manfred Mann. I hope you're listening to this. And that eventually got changed in later releases. They released a different version of the song with a sample removed called Black Melt. The song actually came back on digital editions of the LP, and Man is now credited on yeah, Black Melt. Which, thank God. It would have been a shame if it was cut out completely. There's a lot of story to this album as well. Actually, many of the songs from Mezzanine were featured in mainstream media. In fact, Teardrop, you might actually know this song as the iconic theme opening from the U.S. TV show House. I believe they've done several others for smaller, like, British TV shows, and they did a theme song for Luther. Hugely influential band, even going so far as one of the songs of this album, Dissolved Girl, being featured in The Matrix in 1999. You can actually hear Neo 
listening to it on his headphones in the early stages of the movie. Which is perfect because the sound of this album is The Matrix. It sounds like this dark, dystopian sci-fi fantasy. It is sunglasses at night. I, I definitely got shades of that, but, you know, industrial music was definitely a big wave in the 90s, so it kind of makes sense that Mezzanine was influenced by other industrial-leaning electronic genres. That was probably one of the biggest movements in electronic music during that time, so it, it makes sense that this was impacted by that. I didn't get so much sci-fi as I got just a general sense of melancholic despair yeah, more dystopian than sci-fi for sure. I see heavenly vocals of Daddy G and Company in 3D really complement the dark, harsh, and industrial mm. sound of this album. I guess a better... It feels very, very isolated. It's, it's a dark room. And you're laying in bed, staring at the ceiling. There are several points on this album that I mean, no matter how many times I listen to them, brings like chills on the back of my neck. The opening of Black Milk is one of those. To kind of bring him a little context to where Massive Attack was at the time of this album, their first two projects are a lot more relaxed and jazzy and more hip-hop oriented. Very reggae, and it's interesting that trip-hop, besides being a sub-genre of hip-hop, especially in the instrumental side, besides like some early Massive Attack and Tricky himself when he split off with the group, there is not a whole lot of rapping in the sub-genre at all. Massive Attack did a whole lot of rap for their first two albums, Blue Lines and Protection. And then Tricky split off with the group. And I won't say that he was the bright, shining star, but he was easily the best rapper of the three. This was a very tumultuous time for them. Vowels was about to leave the group, and then he later does leave the group after Mezzanine. It is a miracle that this album is as cohesive as it was, because Every member worked on songs individually. They'd come in, and the producer you know, would be like in the studio, and they'd be working on a song for an hour or two. And then another member would come in, and the former member would leave, and he's like, okay, now I want to work on this song. They're working on like three or four different songs with individual people a day. I mean, it's a miracle that this album, even one, even came out at all, and two, has the same overall sound as it does. This album in particular was a production nightmare for the group, and it really is a magnificent feat that this album came out as well as it did because all of the main creative forces of Massive Attack, they were constantly disagreeing, they were fighting, they were bordering on splitting off. This album almost broke up the group. In fact, it's really 3D's drive that has kept this album intact. He's almost the sole owner. I mean, Grant Marshall still has like a namestake in it, but he's made it pretty clear that he has like no interest in Massive Attack projects. It's unfortunate, but you know, we got three fantastic albums out of it, if you ask me. You know, Blue Lines, Protection, and Mezzanine. The overall atmosphere of Mezzanine, I can't get enough of it. I honestly think the stylistic departure works in this album's favor. It envelops you in this dark, icy atmosphere reminiscent of the industrial music of the 90s. The album's metallic textures juxtaposed with the ethereal vocals of Daddy G, 3D and company create a hauntingly beautiful sonic experience that will send shivers down your freaking spine and leave you with a sense of total and utter despair. One thing Trip Hop does really well, they are very open like to having guests. The guests on this album bring it. Elizabeth Frazier of Cocteau Twins. I'm a big Cocteau Twins fan. She fit 
perfectly on this album. Honestly, some of the biggest highlights for me were the songs that Elizabeth Fraser appeared on, you know, Teardrop, Black Milk, Group 4, definite favorites on the album thanks to her frosty, angelic vocals. The instrumentals feel dark, isolating, but then some of the lyrics they have these like sensual overtones, like Angel, Inertia Creeps, songs like that. It's kind of a weird juxtaposition. Yeah, and there are definitely more aggressive cuts on this album. A couple of standouts are actually Rising Sun, which features one of only two vocal performances from Daddy G. I wanted so much more of him on this album. Rising Sun, Mezzanine, both of those were stickouts because of Daddy G's performances. He just has a naturally just great voice. 3D kind of pales in comparison when he's put up with Daddy G. His voice fits so much better with the theme and general vibe of the album. I don't think 3D is the worst. I do think he's responsible for a lot of the weaker vocal performances on this album, but I think it's because his voice is so thin and lacks a lot of expression. It's incredibly monotone, and it's drowned out by Mm -hmm. the instrumentals a lot of the time, especially on Inertia Creeps. Now, I really enjoy the instrumental on that song. Later on, he does add like vocal effects to his voice, which I think helps him out a ton. His vocal performances are the weak point of the album. I know some people won't like Horace Andy because his like old school reggae style. It was a little bit of a uh, acquired taste, but I love Angel. I actually think Horace Andy does a great job here as well. I did not care for Man Next Door. I felt it was too repetitive. That is really where Horace Andy's vocals started to get a little grating for me because I didn't like his vocal delivery. Enjoy the instrumentals for the most part. The only other ones that I didn't particularly care for were exchange but that's more of an interlude so i can give it a pass if it was a little shorter i think it would work better that is one of my biggest complaints about this album it's very long there are some tracks that i believe could have been cut down a bit i'm actually going to disagree with you here which i know is rare when it comes to track lengths because you know usually i like my stuff to be quick concise don't do more than you need to unless you have something to say I'm going to disagree with you here because I feel this album dips into the world of ambient quite a bit. And I like my ambient tracks long. I like them really atmospheric. I like when they just envelop you into this sonic landscape. And that's what I really, really enjoy about this album. I know that Black Mill, Group 4, and Angel are all very lengthy, but I, I just want to keep stewing in these sonic textures. That's him, sir. That's the ambient fan. (laughs) So I actually, despite my enjoyment of this album, I actually have to agree with James. It's not the song length of the songs I like. It's the fact that Group 4 is a little too long. The first exchange without Horace Andy, there should really only be one. And it should be the version he's on. The second one shouldn't even exist. To me, this album, it's a very melancholic album, and that can cause it to drag quite a bit. And so I think the length should have been a bit shorter to fit that vibe. I actually think the standout track on the album was most certainly Dissolve Girl. The warbly, swirling synths mixed with a distortion-soaked guitar solo and a combination of pounding drum machines, real drum parts, and Sarah J's creepy yet heavenly vocals make this the most exciting track on the album. This was one track that I was actually glad to be so long. It's about six minutes. 
it is the most poignant example of the sound of this album. Yeah, exactly. I think that is the standout track on the album and the real like climax. While it is the, like the peak and it's perfectly placed and it is like the crescendo of the album and the rest of the album sounds like Black Milk does get a little bit more ambient, kind of loses some steam, loses some energy. The fact that this is like the standout track, the best track of the album, I'm going to have to hard disagree on that. It's got to be, it's honestly got to be one of the first three. I think Angel is Massive Attack's best song, period. Yeah, one of the biggest strengths of this album is just how strongly it evokes such a specific atmosphere throughout the entire thing, and it stays consistent sonically. The specific headspace that this album puts you in that I think makes it so potent. And it's that comprised with how they decided to do the vocals that really just kind of sharpens the sword, haunting vocals, haunting instrumentals, the PB and the J, and bam, making the sandwich. Elizabeth Frazier has so many different ways to phrase her vocals that I actually thought that Teardrop was another vocalist. Her voice is almost like another instrument, like a harp. Yeah, it's funny you say that because in her main work with Cocktoo Twins, a kind of a joke amongst the fans is that you can't really understand Elizabeth Frazier. She kind of channels a little bit of that in group four. Her like vocals on that are like the most Cocktoo Twins that she gets. You know, in some alternate world, if she became another member of Massive Attack, that would have just brought them to the freaking stratosphere. This album is very similar to what Tricky did with Max and Quay with Martina Topley Bird, where she is, for every song where there's, like, singing vocals, she's there. That would be great, because that worked in his favor, and I think that could have worked, you know, in that alternate universe. But I am glad that they decided to experiment with other vocalists, because then we would have gotten the collaboration with Mazzy Starr's singer. Wouldn't have got the Damon Albarn collab, which I thought was really good. Yeah, and I'm glad they picked Frasier over who was originally going to sing on Teardrop, Madonna. I'm kind of glad they dodged the bullet on that one. They actually did work with Madonna later, um, back in the 2000s. I think Frasier was a perfect choice for this album and one of the biggest highlights. Well, I have some conflicting thoughts. There are some weaknesses in this album. Emotionally, I want to give this a 10, but with the song lengths and the fact that I'm not really a big fan of Exchange, especially the fact that it has two versions of it, I really think that it brings this album down from being in that 10 category. I do think this is one of the best albums of the 90s. This is in the trio of best trip-hop albums with Dummy and Max and Quay. This is such a unique album that everyone can like a song on this album, which I can't say that about a whole lot of ton of albums, but this is one of those albums I think is has withstanding appeal, withstanding influence, and is very important. So I think this is a nine and a half out of ten. The strength of this album is definitely the atmosphere it creates. I will say that the length of the album was a bit too much for me while in the beginning the first half of the album it's very much a crescendo up to dissolved girl but after that it loses a lot of its energy a lot of its oomph it kind of loses its splendor to me and i'll give this album an eight out of ten overall mezzanine is an incredibly done album and a standout piece in not only the world of trip-hop but the world of electronic music as well 
Throughout the 1990s, Massive Attack had an incredible run by topping it off with one of the best albums of that decade. Mezzanine is a trip-hop essential and perfectly captures one of the biggest electronic dance music movements of that era. There are some problems with it. You could get rid of Exchange, and I didn't care too much for 3D's vocals, but they weren't enough to completely ruin the album. I still felt he fit the overall atmosphere and vibe of the album, so I can't take off too much. Regardless, I think this is a classic and one of the best albums of the 90s, so you should give it a listen as well. I'm going to give this a 9 out of 10. Great album. Check it out. Any final thoughts, guys? All good. All right. Well, this is Off the Key Podcast, and we're out of here. Thanks, and see you later. Cue outro. Mac here and I wanted to give a shout out to LaCrembo for the intro and outro music. I'm going to put his channel link in the YouTube version of this video, but for those on streaming services, it is spelled L-U-K-R-E-M-B-O. Please go check him out. Thanks guys.